Welcome to the Research Reimagine podcast, brought to you by Nottingham Trent University. I'm your host, Helen Darby-Dowman, and I'll be inviting some of NTU's brightest minds to explore how their research is helping us to deepen our understanding of the world. From online addictions to transgender rights and sleep disorders, listen as we discuss some of society's most pressing challenges and uncover some of the ways our research is making a difference. Often referred to as fashion's biggest night out, or the fashion Oscars, The Met Gala is a star-studded fundraising gala held for the benefit of the Metropolitan Museum of Arts Costume Institute in New York City. Welcoming celebrities, creatives and industry giants, invitations are highly sought after for this annual celebration of fashion, which is held on the first Monday in May every year. Attendees are encouraged to pay homage to the theme, leaving the media and the world to scrutinise who has followed the annual fashion assignment and who has not. It's the morning after the 2023 Met Gala here in the UK, and I'm joined by two researchers from the Nottingham School of Art and Design, Vanessa Brown and Naomi Braithwaite, who are going to give us a fresh insight into the world of fashion and last night's events. Good morning, both. Good morning. Good morning. So let's start with, tell me about the Met Gala. Why is it such a big deal? Well, it's uh, it's always an opportunity for extravagant fashion, the latest, hottest celebrities, the uh, fashion royalty to be out there wearing ostentatious, extravagant outfits. It's also got a fantastically long, long history. I think it was first started in 1948, so 70, 75 plus years. So uh, amazing. So um, and of course, it has fundraising element to it to the Costume Institute. So there's that, you know, so good as well. I think there's something as well about the kind of fun element to it that allows the garments to be a little bit more playful and a bit more expressive because there's a brief, um, it's not like just turning up to any event, there is a sense that there's a way to show your kind of fashion cleverness, um, also your fashion knowledge. So I think it's quite high stakes as well for the celebrities and the designers that are involved. There's a lot riding on it really in terms of you know it has massive media coverage but also it's quite I was thinking looking at everybody last night I was thinking it's quite high pressure because you've got you know with a brief like to do something in um, that pays homage to Karl Lagerfeld you could so easily just end up with a bad sort of watered down version of a Karl Lagerfeld garment and that wouldn't look good so what you do is quite a lot of pressure on there. So I think it, I think it's a, that makes it a really important moment because the stakes are high. The stakes are always high in fashion, aren't they, Naomi? Mm. Highly competitive. I know <laughs> yeah. there were there was a dress clash last night, I believe. Um, um, the Chinese editor editor of Chinese Vogue and uh, Olivia Wilde were wearing the same dress, Ooh. different colours, but same dress nevertheless. I didn't actually spot yeah. that. I was yeah. probably asleep by then. I can't imagine actually the pressure on that and you would assume because obviously it's invite um, and an expensive invite right so could you maybe share a little bit about how people actually get that sort of invite and, and how you become somebody credible enough to get to the invite to the Met Gala? Well, if only we knew. Yeah, <laughs> we'd, be, yeah we'd, we'd have been there. Maybe we'd be there too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it, it's really interesting looking at the guest list, and I, I think you're absolutely right to bring that up as a as a relevant detail because you're invited to spend quite a lot of money in attending something. So there's obviously, and this is what I mean as well about it being high stakes. Like, if you do well this year, will you get invited back next year? Mm. Um, 
I mean, one of the things that's really noticeable in recent years, I think, is the sort of uh, attention to a much broader fashion community. Um, and there is this kind of sense in which, especially um, since the editorship of Vogue changed hands, it's it, it, there is much more emphasis on expanding the kind of the fashion um, community and it is done through celebrity but also designers um, and but there's much more kind of youthful people there and I think um, they're very aware of the need to make fashion feel like a place where um, I wouldn't say everybody is welcome but more different kinds of people are welcome um, so really what I'm saying there is that the guest list has a sort of political element to it as well as just a kind of oh you know who do we fancy having at our thing who's pretty whatever um so yeah, yeah you could obviously see just from looking in advance you know, there's quite a lot of conversations in there about who's going to be on the guest list how do we decide there's obviously the the cover of Vogue when the uh, theme was launched and you know is that going to be an insight into who's invited and so forth. So it's obviously such a lot of press and media around it. And on that note, obviously it's not shown on television, unlike say like the Grammys or so forth, but but gets so much media coverage. Why is that? Well, I think it's the it's the, it's a legacy of the Met having that for for many many years now. That excitement, you know, it, it starts building, doesn't it? Before it, who's going to be there? What will they wear? What will be the 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 shockers? The the highlights. So there's all of that building, and I think the fact that it it isn't shown on, on television, that it is very kind of exclusive in many ways. I think makes it even more attractive and creates that hype even even further. And so moving on to the fashion then, you've already mentioned, Vanessa, that there was there's a theme and obviously it was Karl Lagerfeld this year. Talk to me a little bit about that theme and, and what did you think about it? I mean, my first thought when it was announced was that it was a, you know, a very sort of obvious choice in a way. You know, Karl Lagerfeld died fairly recently, obviously a massive influence on fashion, incredibly well known, um, probably the most well known designer there is, you know, really, really um, Chanel, a brand with really broad appeal. So you can really see why the exhibition, um, obviously, that has um, sort of come along with the theme um, felt right um, for the Costume Institute uh, just because of his legacy. But also, I think, an interesting choice from the point of view of where we are. Uh, I mentioned the politics of fashion and where we are politically because, you know, he's quite a controversial figure and there has been some press um you know, that has kind of questioned that decision on the basis of some of the things that he've said that have been, um, you know, racist, fat phobic and so on. So, he, you know, he's a very, very controversial figure. And actually, not, you know, at the Met, they do like an element of controversy, I think, even though they probably wouldn't say that mm. as a reason for the choice. But it's even without those really extreme views, he was always someone that, was willing to sort of make an extreme comment and to kind of be bold. And I think that that means that people have got something to play with, not just an aesthetic, but also an attitude. And he was such a character as well, you know, his yeah. lifestyle with, with the cat, Choupette, and... and uh, the constant his, wearing of sunglasses. Yeah, his very playful approach to fashion, and even to himself as well. And he had such a, a rich and, um, you know, interesting 
history and um, and role in, in what he did for fashion. I mean, all those years at Chanel. Yeah, he's an incredible legacy. And of course, Anna Winter was incredibly, you know, uh, fond of Karl Lagerfeld. I, I read somewhere, I think the other day in the press about how when she heard he died, she was sitting at the airport and she remembers sitting next to some man who was very badly dressed, as she put it, and she started to cry. And he he passed over these tissues and he said, yes, it's a very sad day to have lost this wonderful Karl Lagerfeld. And she said she was quite shocked because this man was so badly dressed. How can he have, you know, but it was it was really, you know, amazing. So he clearly had a presence beyond fashion as well. I, one of the really memorable images that I have in my mind is of him sitting in his flat in the 80s and he had this had this flat that was absolutely full of postmodern furniture. And postmodern furniture is um, and it was from a company called the uh, the Memphis Group. They weren't a company; they were a group of designers, um, and really sort of brightly coloured. Really looks like it doesn't function. It's not comfortable. It's kind of weird, um, and there's nothing comfortable really. <laughs> nothing comfortable. There's nothing comfortable about his appearance really either, was there? I mean, he he apparently said, didn't he, that um, sweatpants were a sign of defeat. So the idea of sort of like. Just going for comfort is something that, you know, you you don't go to. So he's always really committed, like 100% committed to the aesthetic, even if it was like your home. Like he's sitting there in with all these spiky things surrounding him. The starch collars. The starch collars, I know. Yeah, very and fitted. Well, Tommy Hilfiger last night was wearing a shirt that uh, Carl had given him that was one of these ones with these really big puritanical collars. And he said, I really, having been put into this, I have no idea how he managed to carry this around his body every day. And that, I think that's, you know, it's, it, it is really interesting when you think about clothing, the, the bodily experience of wearing those clothes. Um, and I think his idea was very much that um, you, should, you should show commitment to the clothes rather than the other way around. I mean... His his uh, career spanned like seventy decades. So when they pick a theme like Karl Lagerfeld, like isn't that quite a a wide range? It must give us so much scope in terms of those that are choosing what they're going to wear or the designers. I mean, how do you feel it was represented last night on the carpet? If we get into that, because it is a a big period of time. Well, I, I read that they had three choices they could select from. So um, vintage, Chanel, and vintage, um, vintage, vintage, Fendi, Fendi, Fendi yes. And then, uh, you know, homage to Chupette and then something that's more, more recent as well, interpretation of, of Lagerfeld. So they had those choices. But I read I read in the New York Times review of, of last night that what they felt was really um, an important theme was a kind of homage to Lagerfeld's time in the 90s, you know, the early 90s, when they say the focus really then in Lagerfeld's career was on the clothing before their time of the, you know, the hyped advertisements and all of those things with Nicole Kidman working with Baz Luhrmann. So it's really then about the clothes so that seemed to be quite an important theme that was recognized last night I mean one of the things that's really obvious you don't have to know anything about fashion to spot this is this black and white theme and um, I've been thinking about black and white recently in relation to fashion it's a really sort of significant color palette for Chanel um, significant for Karl Lagerfeld icon you know all of the kind of imagery as well like he was quite 
well known for the imagery that he allowed to circulate around him with his silhouette or kind of cartoon version of his face. Um, and and this idea of the sort of monochrome, I think, is is really consistent. You really see that, don't you, through the whole of the gala, but also um, throughout his career. Um, but it, it's also something that I think in popular culture, black and white has come to signify fashion. So I think that makes it quite sort of accessible. You see a lot of costumes in film and TV, if they're trying to show people who are kind of obsessed with fashion or fashion fascists, they always dress them in black and white. Cruella de Vil would be a good example of that in 101 Dalmatians. Glenn Close was there last night. Uh, but also, I don't know if you're familiar with the Netflix show Shit's Creek, but the Rose family in that are very much like children of Karl Lagerfeld, don't you think, Nancy? Yeah, totally, totally. And it's a, it's a palette you see as well, represented the 60s with Youthquake, black and white as yeah. well, coming through the work of Indeed, Quant. we have both. We didn't coordinate, yes. did we? But we've no. both... <laughs> Rocking the black and white. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so moving on to the actual fashion then, what have we actually seen? Tell me a bit about... What was on, on the red carpet last night? What were your favourites? Was there any surprises? One thing I noted, a lot of wedding dresses. A lot of things that looked like wedding dresses. Some of them were wedding dresses from runway shows. Some of them were just white dresses that, because they're evening dresses, can't help but look like wedding dresses. Um, Elle Fanning was wearing a, I think it was a Vivian Westwood interpretation of a look that, Carl Lagerfeld had put together for her when she was a teenager that was sort of innocent thing with a daisy um, flower crown and they'd turned that into quite a sort of contemporary wedding dress. She was even carrying a bouquet of flowers. And there is something about the idea of like the dress, you know, the, the really sort of statement dress, the occasion dress. Um, obviously it's an evening event so you two tend to get that but I think there's something about the Lagerfeld theme that really brought that out. I don't know if you have anything yeah, to add about I, that. I, yeah, I think there was a lot of that kind of interpretation of the wedding dress and those very sort of extreme silhouettes as well in dresses as well. And the contrast of really almost barely their dresses as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. quite, quite a contrast. Um, so yeah, I, I did notice that too. Which it's really that is that does kind of sum up the look, doesn't it? Because there's this very sort of structured black and white you see quite a lot of um you know boning but also visible structure even a little bit of sort of you know s&m kind of vibe to some of it a lot of people were bringing out that um but then also this really extremely feminine sort of loads of feathers loads of tulle lots of this pale pale blush flowers. ivory flowers, flowers yes yeah. very sort of i mean and that really throughout the night you're getting that sort of black and white structure, sort of modern, minimalist. Then you're getting this very romantic, soft, kind of pretty, fluffy, very feminine. And then a little bit of that sense of humour with the bold things. Yeah. One of my favourites was, um, it was Jeremy Pope in a dress with a massive train with a huge image of Carl's face in the uh, train. That, I, was that was the other so one that I thought brilliant. Carl might have yeah. approved of. I think Li Lily, uh, Lily Collins had a train with Lagerfeld as well too, but yeah, that was the best. But my favourite was definitely uh, Jared Leto in the um, in the Choupette costume, because if you're going to do it, you got to do it like that. So I thought that was, <laughs> yeah, that was very, very, very cool. I believe there was a bit of confusion about it when he first walked in, and then he took, his, took the head off, yeah. and it became a bit clearer. 
Um, isn't there talk about him maybe starring as uh, Karl Lagerfeld in, a, in an upcoming biotic, yeah. uh, biotic, biopic film of him? So the pressure's so, on. How are you going to dress then at the mm. Met Gala if you'd be representing Lagerfeld? Why not, why not? Uh, pay Come homage to his treasured Schuppert who has a <laughs> wonderful lifestyle but couldn't make it last night, apparently. Yeah, where is Schuppert? Yeah, living the life of, of Riley in a, in a Parisian apartment with, uh, yeah, all the, all the trappings. Sad. Yes. Any, any thoughts of anybody that shouldn't have been there? Maybe should have just uh, gone home. My, well, in my opinion, most of them. <laughs> <laughs> just because I think, you know, so many, so many. Yeah, it was quite overwhelming, wasn't and actually, it? Another, lot, oh, another look. Another, I, oh, another one. I feel a lot of it was fairly boring. That I mean, you know, yeah. I'm going to be opinionated because... That's what fashion is about, isn't it? And it's you've got to sort of try and, you know, strike that note to an occasion like that. And I, I don't know, I think some of some of the themes, people have got to be brave. Mm. I think some people weren't brave enough. I agree. And, and that's certainly coming out of some of the press this morning that actually it was quite safe. You know, there wasn't the, the scandal that there, there normally is mm. of, of outfits. Yeah. And I think that's that's very true. And it's interesting to think, well, wh- wh- why should that be? Is it is it because it's Lagerfeld and it's mm. such a in complex all, too much thing to pay homage? Or is it the different world we're living in today? I, I don't know. Is it a way of um, being more restrained? Is is it linked to the guest list as well? Is, does it depend on who which guests you actually have? Is it does is that a kind of personality thing? Mm. I think you know this year they've had a lot of younger, mm. really diverse, mm. you know, rap grime stars mm. at the Met Gala. In a way, you'd think there'd be much more experimentation, yeah. much more bravery. Although a look. lot of the really, I think a lot of the really striking outfits were worn by. Yeah, those I people. totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I think it's difficult if you choose a theme where. A person, and a person with so much clout, <laughs> um, is chosen as the as the theme. Like, I mean, there was one before that was was it? I don't can't remember how they expressed it. Was it kitsch or bad taste or something? Mm-hmm. Um, and it or the vulgarity or something like that was a few years ago. And that a theme like that gives you so much more freedom to not be too personal about yeah. it. It feels yeah. a little bit like maybe. And also because he's died, there's a sort of element of needing to respect that. And one of the sort of key themes about the Met Gala is the fact it's not as respectful as some other occasions. So maybe that's what sort of led to a little bit of a toned down vibe for some people. I think there's a lot to be said that it was about paying tribute to a person as well, which normally it's more sort of themed on on specific things, but actually attached to a person, a person who had this important role in fashion, who's no longer here, is maybe, you know, that really does have a lot to 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 say on on why that perhaps was different this year in that sense i mean it's obviously tied in as well isn't it to the exhibition that's being launched um at the metropolitan museum and with all his sketches and his dresses and his outfits it's, i mean it's it's very much tied in with that it's, it's an interesting point that perhaps it didn't allow people to be as expressive as perhaps they would in would have been in other years yeah. But I mean, it was uh, the exhibition looks amazing. I mean, I would love to see that. It looks really, really good. Um, it, I think, also from what I've heard from the curator about that, some of the more controversial elements of his sort of life and his approach to fashion, his approach to women, his approach to clothing, they they have been handled quite uh, sensitively and subtly. I think in the exhibition, if at all, um, and I. 
it, one of the things that's really interesting about fashion as a whole um, is that while, you know, as researchers, you know, we can say anything we like, in terms of fashion media, um, there isn't really a history of um, a sort of really sharp critique in the way that, say, for example, within food, you have food critics who have their own sort of status and, you know, everyone's quaking in their boots, what will the fr food critic think? I mean, someone like Anna Wintour will have had that had that status. Um, and that, you know, it's, it's changing. But um, someone like Anna Wintour is an editor of a big magazine that relies on advertising. So, you know, how critical really can you be and when I was watching the coverage last night I was thinking this is so interesting because actually fashion is but in es in essence it's controversial because it's all about saying I'm better dressed than you and this now is a better look than what was five minutes ago there is always this kind of level of as Naomi said competition a dynamic and exclusivity and judgment and yet in the fashion media there's a lot of just kind of quite benign sort of discussion and in the case of the coverage of the Met Gala last night a lot of just saying everything's fabulous everyone and everything yeah. is equally fabulous yeah, I totally agree it's, it's yeah it's fascinating when we see these celebrities and these fabulous gals or not so fabulous gals, depending on our own opinions, how do they actually come about? Do they pick it? Do, does, it does it go by stylist? How do they go to these designers and find them? I mean, we talk about perhaps um, like Nicole Kidman's wearing a dress that she wore in an advert, but can you shed a little bit of light onto that kind of world of how do we come about seeing these celebrities in these these fabulous outfits. I imagine that some of them will have a very clear view of what they want to wear. Like I, I'm sure Nicole Kidman, you know, because of the history she had with that dress, went straight for it. I think some of them will will have their own stylist. Some of them will be approached by stylists and by, by designers to be dressed a certain way. So I think there's a whole myriad of different things that lead to the, those gowns being, or outfits being chosen and represented that way. So yes. And I think that that the sort of mystique surrounding how do you get access into this world? How do you get to be someone who gets to wear this kind of thing is one of the most powerful aspects of fashion as a whole thing, you know, as an industry um, and, a, and, and as a social force. You know, it feels like to be in that place, to be someone who, it was Dua Lipa, wasn't it, who was loaned a really, really... Um, exclusive and extremely expensive necklace by Tiffany to go with her um, dress last night and uh, it, you know she was talking about it and obviously the discussions are around oh where did you get your dress who made your dress um, and it, there is that sense of having sort of crossed over into some sort of heavenly promised land where you suddenly matter in fact during the coverage um, it cut to an advert and um one of the guests, um, her name is Ice Spice, um, she was doing an advert for an eBay um, shop where you can buy original designer goods. And she said, this is obviously part of the scripted, part of the scripted advert, you deserve real. And I was thinking this is so significant here because so many of these um, people attending this event and all of the people who wish they were there, 
it, you know, in some way, it's an endorsement of them as people. I deserve real. Do I, though? Do I deserve real? Real cost an awful lot of money. And Tommy Hilfiger's wife said that it took a village to dress them last night. And that, you know, the... Did you see it? <laughs> yeah yeah so it, i think something really significant about our culture where that you know those things are kept exclusive tantalizing little bits of sort of tidbits of oh you know oh, i happen to have this in my wardrobe i've kept all my costumes or my stylist you know used to be friends with whoever or yes i was lucky enough to be asked to wear this dress you know it's it it's very much part of how we keep some people in one place and some people in another but it, it obviously it's an incredibly powerful incredibly powerful thing um what was that film recently uh, mrs harris goes to paris oh yes play on dior wasn't it yeah yeah, yeah. and she it's a it was a film in cinemas recently um, actually, a remake of an old film, but she it's a is, book. Uh, as oh, well. yeah, yeah. So, um, fairly ordinary housewife who really, mm. really wants. A, is it is it a Dior? Yeah, dress? yeah, Dior is. dress. It's Dior, yeah. And That's she she goes to Paris, and she has no, very little sort of idea about where she's going to wear it or what she's going to do with this dress. She just wants one. Yeah. And it's it's all about this sort of experience of wearing the things that well having the things yeah. just having the having. real thing that it's not just the dress it's the fact that it's a dior dress yeah. or it's a lagerfeld yeah. or it's a chanel dress it's all those meanings invested yeah. in it yeah. i mean fashion could be quite criticized for that for being superficial being frivolous i mean what what do you what would you say to people that actually have that kind of view i think fashion has lived in that tension between frivolousness and seriousness for for its its history and and will continue to do so. It, it's fr it's seen as frivolous because of, I mean, the Met Gala probably exemplifies that to extent. Indeed, the extravagance, you know, in a time of austerity, there's all this, you know, ridiculousness of costumes. But also, it, it's a it's a very powerful industry. It contributes, you know, a lot of money across the world, um, and it's very culturally led. And it, it's very much about, you know, individual level. It gives meaning to people. You know, they, it makes them feel a certain way and that's important because that's linked to their sense of self and self-esteem which is what then gives it a more more serious serious angle to it but it's always been in that in that tension of frivolous versus serious and I I think it will continue to do so and I think it's those debates which make fashion so exciting and so rich that you can have these debates about these things. Fashion is it I've got two things to say about this one is that fashion so, you know, some historians and theorists say that fashion emerged as a response to a certain set of conditions, particularly uh, uh, urban conditions, conditions where people live in communities where they're not known by their neighbours. They don't live in a close-knit community where everybody knows each other. So what you look like and what you wear becomes all of a sudden really, really important because it's how you indicate to other people who you are, what you are, and what they can expect from you. So that that is a kind of survival, it's a kind of the, the urge to fashion yourself, a sort of survival tactic. But also within that context where, you know, you basically are what you wear, you can pass yourself off as whatever you want through clothing, but also sort of it raises the possibility that clothing can lie. Clothing could 
tell a story about who you are that isn't true or that's part of the truth. So you can express who you really are because you've got the freedom of being in an anonymous place without traditions of clothing, but also you can manipulate that. And that is at the heart of why fashion is so fascinating. And that's, you know, that's before we enter into the idea of the sort of class system that means that, you know, as clothes became more readily available through mass production, more people could participate, more people felt they needed to participate in it. But also, you know, what do you do? Do you copy the people who have more money? Um, yes, a lot of the time, that's the way the industry works. Um, but also you start to see, you know, street cultures, subcultures forming where actually the people at the top of the social hierarchy with the most money and maybe the most status, the most power, are actually looking to the young people on the streets and saying, they're, they're doing something really interesting with this fashion, you know, with what they've got that then starts to influence, um, you know, what's going on in in the kind of designer labels and catwalk fashion. So there is there is a sense that fashion really does have meaning that comes from very sort of clear social circumstances. The other thing is that fashion is so much more technical and craft based and scientific than people give it credit. And the discussions, you know, at an event like that last night, which focus around how fabulous everybody looks and, you know, maybe the amount of hours that went into making it, but, you know, the skills that are required um, to fit clothes to the body and to make fabric behave in specific ways, to make those fabrics and create those effects. They are science, they're, to a large extent, they're science skills and they're craft skills and they're really, they're very much worthy of respect. There's a lot of links um, people make between fashion and architecture actually, aren't there? Yeah, sculptural, the structures of things. You know, I mean, obviously, Laugfelder worked a lot with corsetry and all those kind of techniques yeah. and skills. Very, very couture-led. It's very special. And there's some, you know, we what we find um, at Trent as well sometimes is that we have, um, especially students coming for postgraduate courses who have done other courses like product design or architecture and then they realize that actually fashion is what they're interested in and they apply those same skills to that but often they're male and they've been discouraged from being interested in fashion as young men because of its feminine connotations. It's really interesting to actually find out that there's so much more to it I think than perhaps we first well first meets the eyes. Naomi you were talking to me earlier a little bit about Carl and how he got into fashion. Will you just, just share that story? Yeah, of course. So um, Carl and his family during the Second World War, they they moved outside of Hamburg, lived in the country, and then they came back into Hamburg around uh, 1948, I think it was. They were His father, who was the evaporator, or condensed milk king of Germany, um, was building a new house for the family in Hamburg. So they stayed in a very shishi hotel and lived there. And uh, in 1949, Christian Dior came to, to Hamburg and did this wonderful couture show, brought all the fantastic models from France, beautiful couture, and did this amazing show in the hotel, had lots of media um, frenzy, and, and Lagerfeld went to it. And it was then that he became really, really struck with fashion and the beauty of it and the spectacle of it, and decided that he wanted to go and live in Paris, which he did at the age of... Um, 
I think he was 19, he went and lived in Paris and sort of found his way and, and eventually in, into fashion. He'd always been very artistic growing up. He loved philosophy, he loved reading, he loved drawings. He was very, very creative and very, he always talked about how his parents allowed him that kind of independence and, and freedom. But it was the Dior show that really, really um, struck him and, and took him on to that next phase of life in into fashion. And just finally, talk to me a little bit about events like the Met Gala, which are all talking about how fabulous something is, rather than perhaps actually touching on the detail and the, in, I guess, how in-depth things like fashion are and the impact it can have on lives and the economy, the world. You know, do you think that the Met Gala actually doesn't do the fashion world justice? I think it could do it a lot more justice. In many ways, what it does do is it puts fashion on the radar. It makes people who don't even care about it fascinated. Maybe they don't like it or they get annoyed about it. They have an opinion about it, but it, it, it creates awareness. But definitely there's an opportunity to think much deeper about, you know, as, as Vanessa was talking about, the, the technical skill, the couturing of those garments, what's involved in it, and then the wider meanings of, of fashion and what it, what it can bring to what it does and what can, it can bring to society and beyond. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think, I mean, one of the things that these kinds of events are really valuable for is bringing, you know, new designer names to the attention of the broader public. So, you know, for people who are up and coming, if they get an opportunity to show their work at something like that, it's obviously very valuable. I mean, that and that's part of how the Met Gala makes their money, you know, makes the raises the money because they know that people will pay to be there because there's a there's value in it. Um, but I think really, you know, to some extent that kind of thing has its place, but it's perhaps just raises a broader question about how, how fashion is discussed and reported on in the media. Maybe there's place for a more serious approach to it. But there's a lot, I mean, you know, Naomi and I get asked frequently to talk about fashion and what lays behind it. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of interest Definitely. in that. Um, but actually there's also a bit of a lack of a lack of actual sort of in-depth consideration and the other thing I would say as well just in the kind of in this kind of state of digital revolution that we're in and you know a lot of things that people create they do it digitally and it's very easy to change things very easy if you make a mistake it's very easy to go back and do another version save multiple versions when you're working with physical materials it is not like that you know if you sew a seam incorrectly I mean our graduate our, our graduates to be handing in their collections Today, they're handing their garments. My daughter actually is one of them and she's handing in her garments. I had to drop them off before I got here. And the effort that's gone into creating those garments, she's doing knitwear, but the effort that's gone into creating those garments and if something goes wrong, how sort of, how much time it takes to rectify it and how many things you have to get right. I think that's something that people could really benefit from understanding more. Because making has a lot of, you know, sort of value in making, but also has therapeutic qualities. And also people try, you know, when people are trying to buy fashion for, um, you know, the cheapest possible price, really understanding what you're buying, you know, are you buying craftsmanship? What sort of relations, industrial relations are you buying into? Understanding what clothes are 
I think would be beneficial for all sorts of the story reasons. behind them as well, because they've been created by a person or by if they're couture exactly. by yeah. by all those couturiers working in the atelier. Yeah. So you know, yeah. there's yeah, there's, yeah. there's so yeah. much vested in it, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, there is, and obviously everyone can't afford those high end garments, mm. but even understanding the dignity of the labour that goes into mm. creating the garments that we are able to buy and wear, most of us. I think is uh, something that could really benefit uh, people, not just consumers, but those who are involved in making fashion. Thank you. Just one last question. If there was an item from last night's Met Gala that you could take home, what would it be? I think I'd take home the cat outfit just because I could have it on the wall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think so, Naomi. I can yeah. see you in that one. Yeah. I don't know if I'd want to wear it. I just think I'd want to look at it. Look at and it. And admire it. Yeah. yeah. Vested with so many stories, so many things around it. I did see someone going up and having a nice cuddle, actually. A little strike, very therapeutic. I'm really, str I'm really struggling. I'm really not sure what I would choose. It's a tough one. There's certainly a lot of choice. 200 plus outfits. Yes, yes, a lot of choice. I think, what did I see that I really liked? Oh, and I said Michaela Cole, didn't I? I'll say that one. Thank you both very much. It's been fascinating. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. <laughs> to find out more about Naomi and Vanessa's work, please check out the episode description. You've been listening to the Research Reimagined podcast by Nottingham Trent University. For all of the latest news from the research community at NTU, follow us on Twitter at NTU underscore research or sign up to our research newsletter by visiting ntu.ac.uk forward slash research. Thanks for listening.